Welcome to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And Cindy, you have a famously short attention span. <laughs> so we wanted to pick that topic close to your heart. Quick food. It's perfect. Right now. Hungry now? <laughs> Cook it now. Eat it now. Instant gratification, right? Well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's why you're a perfect chef for our culture, aren't you? I like everything to be quick. Everything yep. in my yep. life. Quick answers, quick Hopefully explanations. Hopefully there aren't any police officers drive out fast. there. Drive fast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do not drive she's, a red she's, car. Officers, she's settled down. I have settled down. That's not she's true. Not I, won't, I won't give you a plate number, but she's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh-huh. So, what's on your list? Oh, there's there's a lot of fun things that you can do when, quickly. Okay, when, let, let's go meal by meal. When you're hungry, it's breakfast, something quick, something good. Well, what are you doing? I, I'm probably doing an English muffin, uh, preferably something really, really good with a piece of sausage and a fried egg on it and maybe a slice of spicy cheese. Or, which is not very chefy, but that's, you asked me, that's what I have for breakfast. But if I want something... It's old English breakfast with Cindy Wolf. Quick, <laughs> quick for guests, um, I'll make French toast. And we, because we make our own brioche, it makes really, really good uh, French toast. And I'll just whisk... A couple of eggs in with some heavy cream, uh, just a probably a pinch of ground cinnamon, a little bit of sugar, and a tiny bit of good vanilla. And it can be vanilla extract; it doesn't have to be beans. And um, and sometimes I'll put alcohol in there, maybe a little Madeira or a little bit of cognac, depends on who I'm serving, and what age they are. And then just with brioche, it's such a light bread that you don't want to leave it in there too long, or it'll actually no, break that's apart. No, that's a quick. That, that's yeah. a it needs to so there's your liquid mixture. That's a quick dip yeah, in, in a and bowl out, and then butter, and kind of a fat slice of brioche. It does need to be a little bit thicker than you would think, just so that it doesn't fall apart. But um, you know, a good sauté pan, stainless steel or Teflon, if you have them. I don't, I don't use Teflon pans, but I know that a lot of people do in their homes, and this is certainly the time to use one because it makes it a lot easier. Calphalon's a good solution in that sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and also um, I know my sister has one of these. It's I think All Clab produces it, and I'm sure other people, other producers, but it, it's a two-handled pan, um, pretty good uh, surface to work on. It covers two burners, and it does have a Teflon coating on it. I think in some places in the world they call them griddles. <laughs> okay, so get your griddle out and use that to do French toast for multiple people okay. because that's a great surface on which to get a lot cooked. Hardest thing in the world with French toast and with pancakes is to have the right amount of heat, oh, I swear. Uh, for sure, and that's when you have to know your pan because you, you, if you're not in a Teflon pan, you better know what, what, how your pan works because you will stick to the bottom of the pan. you you got to run a test pattern. you got to run a test <laughs> pancake. you got to run a test piece of French toast. Do not serve that first piece. Right. Just eat it. Okay. It's going to be for the cook. black. It's going to be too mm. blonde. Oh, it's going to be... My, my. Okay. I well, have small children. Pancakes are Pancakes, waffle, well, not waffles, but yeah, French toast, all those things. Yeah, yeah. you do. Well, you definitely need to test a pancake out and make sure you, it's rising properly yeah. and all that good stuff. Uh, what am I going to eat? I don't know. Test a pancake. Okay. But yeah, the breakfast is breakfast. Everything at breakfast can be quick. Um, something else that that's fun to do is to just, you know, obviously omelets are a great source of utilization. So yeah, there's pretty much nothing 
that you can't put in an omelet. I don't mean together. I just mean if you have some mushrooms in your in your refrigerator from dinner last night that are already cooked off, why not put those in with a little goat cheese and a little bit of fresh basil from the garden or, you know, whatever you have around. But omelets can be very quick. Omelets are intimidating for folks. I can understand I, that. I think, I mean, if you, if you want to be quick and not be freaked out, you can, you can make a frittata in the pan or an omelet that just incorporates everything. Yeah, and then you don't have to flip it. anything, you, you, you whisk roll it all. anything. Mm-hmm. You whisk it all together. You make sure you don't have any uncooked ingredients. Yeah, we, we Chris made an unbelievably good frittata for employee meal last night. And, oh, my gosh, I mean, it, it, it took a little while because he made a gigantic thick one, but it yeah. doesn't have to. I mean, if you, no. if you do I mean, the fancy way to do it is to eggs. cook it in a water bath, mm-hmm. but you don't have to. If you have a nice heavy pan and, honestly, in a cast iron Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. That can be nice. Pr- pretty darn fun. And you don't have to flip it out. You can nope. just either eat it in that vessel. You know, let everybody just come up to the stove. It'll stay warm that way. You know, let them have a spatula and just cut it for them and just let them slice it, pull well, it that's out. Well, that's spatula. the thing is that you can serve a couple people pretty quickly and have I, a lot of good stuff in there. I often do that when I have guests. I used to play the how do you want your egg game. And by the time I was done with six people, I'm like, yeah, okay. That, that was, is the hardest. There goes the entire morning. So that is the hardest game in the world. So yeah, I don't I'm, like that game and I'm a, a chef. A, so. quick, a quick anecdote. I was working in Philadelphia in the <laughs> late 80s. Mm-hmm. And I think I told you this story once. And I was a hotshot young sous chef. And I was doing seven course meals, you know, tasting meals, you know, nouvelle cuisine at a little restaurant in a in a private club dining room there mm-hmm. very involved stuff and the 30 year breakfast cook called out oh gosh chef called me you mean he'd been doing it for 30 years he'd been doing it for 30 years oh, this is for another part of the club <laughs> that's a bad guy to have called that's out that's the worst guy to have called <laughs> you, you always if you wonder who oh, the no. most important guy in the kitchen is that one in the dishwasher it's, that's definitely, oh, my God. <laughs> that was the worst morning of my entire oh, life. Oh, gosh. You had to do all those I'm egg sorry. dishes? You're like, this is going to take Why a while. Why does everyone eat eggs differently? <laughs> Why don't they eat them the way that I want to make them? Well, and also, not only do they not eat them the way you want them to, but then it's not just fried. It's over over medium, over hard. And you're like, what? So I had I had a special, okay? <laughs> I had a special because I had access to my little kitchen, right? I, I wish I had been there. I really, I, really wish. I that I, I had been there I had that a, day. I made an omelet. <laughs> if you wanted to wait an hour and 15 minutes for your eggs, <laughs> no, you just, would have loved it. Just to watch you. It would have been oh, fun. I lost my mind. I could live forever off that I memory. Wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't so reasonable and zen, actually, like I am now. <laughs> All right, go. So keep telling the story. So Zen. I ra- oh, yeah. <laughs> Seriously? Okay, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Tell the story. I'm as calm as a monk. <laughs> so ask anybody. So. I had a special. I was very excited oh, about no, it. Oh, no. You made a special? I made a special. <laughs> it was an omelet special. You're talking about omelets. Oops. That's what made me think about it. Okay. It was it was an omelet special with uh, poached lobster and chanterelles. Oh, that was popular. And fresh snip chives. <laughs> so we served 140 breakfasts. Oh, you did 138 okay? omelets. Myself and a pantry guy. Mm-hmm. We did how many omelets? 138. It was a shutout. You zero. Did zero. Oh, you didn't do any? We did 138 different kinds of eggs. Oh my gosh, I would have thought a lobster and chanterelle omelet would have been like crazy popular. Had you had you been there at this oh, club no. that was primarily I think breakfast was all men that morning. Okay. If you had been there, you would have had the one omelet. I will never <laughs> make that omelet again as long as I live. <laughs> Worst morning of my life. Anyway, but the breakfast cook, yeah. There's there's talent in that. Oh my gosh, I want to tell my story. That has nothing to do with breakfast. Go, okay. So, okay. Well, it's my nightmare story. I only have one real nightmare story. So when I first started cooking in Charleston, South Carolina, the place where I did my externship. You worked with me for more I mean, than my, 20 years. You have one nightmare story? 
Well, I wasn't even working with you then. Okay, How do you feel well, about that, amazing. Tony? Huh? <laughs> I feel aggrandized. I feel great. Actually, I wasn't doing my externship there. I was I was doing an apprenticeship there. And I had just started working online. So I, I had never worked in a kitchen before. Well, I did, but it didn't count when I was 16. It definitely didn't count. But so I'm 19 years old. I'm, this is my first kitchen experience. I'd waited tables before this. And and I started out not as garmage, the person that does cold food or salads, but I was prep on garmage when I started in this kitchen. I'm, I've never even heard of that title before. <laughs> you're, the lettuce, you're the lettuce chopper. That lasted two weeks. And then I became the garmage person. Dun, da, da. I moved up real fast. And then, um, so when I eventually got on the hotline, it was shortly after I started cooking that we had had a couple of slow nights and my, my sous chef looked at me and said, you know, I'm going to go home. <laughs> he probably went down the street for cocktails. She. She went oh, home. She probably went she, down the street for cocktails. Yeah, she, she went home. And yeah, I'm sure she did that. And I loved her. I mean, I, I still love her to this day, even this even after this happened. So she left me there. I was the only person besides the dishwasher in the kitchen. And we had a show kitchen, much like where I work right now, only the the garmage station was on the other side of the only wall. Only you were by yourself. <laughs> and I was there by myself. And so I had to do all the food by myself. We did 75 people that night. And, when, and then we started running out of all the food. So not only am I like going crazy trying to figure out how to cook all this food for all these people by myself, I finally called the dishwasher over. And I'm like, dude, you gotta help me. And he had done some prep on garmage, so at least he was putting some salads together. God knows what he was doing over there. I couldn't even see him, but I'm sure I'm sure it was fine. You had to remain lettuce, but, anchovy on it, and here's yeah, your season, Yeah, buddy. here you go. Here you go. So at, at some point, I'm like, oh, God, we're, you know, what do you – you know, and I didn't have the wherewithal to say, don't take any more people. You know, I didn't think that I had the ability to tell a manager that. I was just a line cook, and I'd never worked in a restaurant like that before. So at some point, we had owners there that didn't have anything to do with actually operating the business. They were just, you know, owners. And they came in with 12 people and wanted to have dinner. I almost started to cry when, when the manager came up to me and said, uh, you know, what's his name is coming in with 12 people. I'm like, what? we're out of almost all of our food. And he knew I was back there. I mean, I had a show kitchen. The entire dining room could see me working by myself. Would you all like, like some chicken or oh some my, chicken? Oh, my God. Or was, if that doesn't work out, how about some chicken? It was one of the worst days of my life. So I know what you're talking about yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. But when I waited tables, I never had a bad nightmare about cooking, ever. Not once. But when I waited tables, oh my gosh. Almost every night, I would have waiter nightmares. Yeah. No, they're they're, they're particular. Yeah. Very they're, horrifying. They're, they're particular. Maybe one time we'll have to do a program where we get about 10 different waiters on and they can just tell their, tell their worst, nightmares. Worst Maybe we should do this for Halloween. <laughs> Scary waiter stories. Waiter nightmares. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I like that. Let's do that. All right. So All right. let's miss short attention span. Let's stick to mm-hmm. uh, breakfast. Okay, Tony. So what are you quick ideas for breakfast from, I mean, it, it, from you? Quick breakfast in, in uh, our house. Um, two things that are favorites. One is uh, a, a, a version of the now ubiquitous avocado toast. Oh, yummy. So it's just nice whole grain bread mm-hmm. toasted. Buttered. That's, I, I can't not I butter I love whole grain bread. Beautiful avocado. Just don't mash it up. Just lay the slices out on the bread. Okay. Salt them. Everyone forgets to salt them. Oh, my gosh. You have to salt avocado. Yeah. Nice runny egg. Maybe even a little crispy on the edges. Really? Right on top of that. On top of the avocado? Yeah. This is oh, not I'm my creation. That. 
I'm making that. But it's good. That sounds good. Lots of fresh cilantro. Oh, no, I wouldn't do that part. Not and, with eggs. And some kind of hot sauce. Oh, well, that I would do. The cilantro, yeah. you lost me at the cilantro oh, and eggs. Blech. The cilantro avocado thing is a, and I love cilantro. Is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I love it a but lot. But just not in that situation. I love it. In you case could put a slice of heirloom tomato on there, too. That'd be pretty sweet. There's no question. You could also add a piece of bacon. <laughs> there we go. Now there's Cindy <laughs> now the talking. Wolf, now the wolf yeah. is talking. <laughs> now Cindy's talking. The, the other breakfast is a complete um, theft from uh, Labo Graviere. Oh, good. What is it? In the it? Rhone Valley. It is a fat piece of toast, a baguette, day old, uh, cooked in butter in a heavy pan till it's browned perfectly and buttered perfectly. Don't all tell around. me you're gonna put a slice of truffle on there. And a thick, <laughs> a thick, like the side, the thickness of maybe three quarters, stacked up slice of black truffle on top oh, yeah. of that guy. Oh well, that's that's and like a glass the... and a glass of Pot Roger. Oh oh. That's the best Just breakfast to, in the world ever. Yeah, that's the ever. idea. Oh, boy. That's the idea. And I that's could, quick. I want to eat that's that. That's very quick. That's super quick. <laughs> yeah. While you're frying the toast, you uh, you slice the truffle. Yum. And drink your first glass of the champagne. Oh, Paul Roger. And then 8 a.m. comes. Yes, please. And then 8 so, a.m. comes. Yeah, speaking of all this stuff, are you going to be ready for the Chef's Challenge when oh, we get to I'm it? I'm the... extremely ready. I okay, just think later on the you program? Might, you might be crying later. Tony. No, I'm no, not no. Really and sure. I've made and you I don't very want to kind. See that. I don't want to see you crying, so I, it's really not that bad. It's very ugly. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm not too scared. <laughs> all right. When we come back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine, a little more quick food, maybe some quick solutions for lunch and for dinner, and then, of course, a Chef's Challenge. All of that and more on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. Welcome back to Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're talking about quick food today. Mm-hmm. Cindy's the perfect person to get into this because <laughs> she got into about four different tangents because she couldn't stay on topic in the first segment. <laughs> anyway. You know, shrimp. Well, we talked about breakfast. Shrimp are a good thing. Shrimp are because a good thing. Because they cook in like, you know, two and a half minutes, depending on how big they are. Yeah, they are a quick thing. So that's a really good thing so for dinner what's or a, lunch. What, what, what's a couple of shrimp possibilities that. Whether for lunch or for dinner, you think would be uh, a, a good uh, quickie. I'm making a dish right now called Shrimp Buford, and um, my chef, Marcelo, uh, who I worked for in Charleston, used to do this dish. Buford. 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 <laughs> it's a beautiful little town. If you ever saw the Big Chill, it's where they filmed the Big Chill, um, that main, that white house that the family lives in. Oh, my gosh. That's a famous house there. It's a beautiful property. It's right on the Intracoastal Waterway. Buford is a gorgeous little town. Not How far. about the shrimp dish from Buford? So the shrimp dish, Buford, is you saute your shrimp, and I use 10, 15-count shrimp, but you can use whatever size you want, and just make sure you have enough for everybody. When I use 10, 15s, I usually do two per person, and I saute. This is one time. Well, this is as a course, not as a dinner, right? Well, I don't know. I guess it is. That'd be a pretty small dinner to have Okay, two then shrimp. four shrimp per person. So four shrimp per person, sautéed in butter. The pan is cold, very unusual way to cook. Um, but with shrimp, I don't like them to be cooked hard and to get a crust on the outside of them. I like them to be cooked gently. So I start the pan. I use a stainless steel sauté pan. 
and start it with a butter, whole butter, put the shrimp in, saute them about halfway on one side and then pop them over and finish sauteing them on the other side and then add corn to the pan. And I put roasted corn in. We roast our corn in the husks for about 45 minutes, 40 to 45 minutes at uh, 350 degrees and in a convection oven and um, then pull the husk off, the silk off and cut the corn off the cob. Don't cut too close to the cob. You don't want to eat the cob. It's not desirable. Um, Is there a quicker solution than the... Uh, you could just cut corn off the cob and put it in the pan. You could just use raw corn and there's nothing really wrong sweet, with like that. it's really sweet this time of the year. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that at all. You could do either way. So... Uh, and then just add the corn to the pan, and we deglaze with a little bit of lobster stock, but that may not be terribly convenient for your house. So therefore, what you can do is when you peel and devein your shrimp, just rinse off very quickly. Don't let them sit, but rinse off uh, your shrimp shells in cold water, and then put them in a drain them, put them in a pot, and cover them with cold water. Once uh, turn it on high, when it comes up to a boil, turn it off, strain it, and you have a really pretty, very simple really quick shrimp stock. It'll deepen that shrimp flavor. It will. So then you just deglaze the pan with, I mean, I would say for one portion, maybe one ounce of that shrimp stock. I had a little bit of fresh lemon juice and finish with really, really finely sliced or chopped green onion, the green part, and then finish with a little bit, another piece of butter and a pinch of salt. And um, add the green onion right at the end, right before you plate. You do not want that to lose its little bit of crunch and its beautiful color. And um, that's that's a super quick. I mean, it sounds quick and good. It's super quick, and and with that, if so you, someone wants a big glass of uh, cold toasty Chardonnay, that probably would be pretty mm. pretty happy, mm-hmm. or maybe a puy puce or something like that. And then I think another dish that's really really fun to make is I make a dish with rum, and you know if that's okay to do, you can do the same thing. Saute, but this time I would saute the shrimp in corn oil, still a cold pan, and start them off, get them going, flip them over. Um, and then add a little bit of finely chopped shallot to the pan. Now you can add a little piece of butter, just a little one, and work the shallot with the shrimp for probably 30 seconds, then deglaze. And remember, if you're on a gas stove, you're on an open flame, You, when you go to add alcohol to a pan, you have to take the pan away from the flame, off the stove. I mean, I would, in the restaurant, we don't do that. But I just don't want anything to happen to you at home. And off the flame. Off the flame. And, you know, well, what you can't do is pour from the rum, the rum bottle over the stove, over the burner, because you could catch that whole bottle on fire and it would become a rocket in your hand. So maybe just put a little bit of rum in a little container, of, like a plastic container, so that you don't have that volatile situation. Tony's looking at it. I'm just funny. thinking about rocket <laughs> shrimp. That's all. <laughs> so maybe a just, new dish. let's just be safe and put the rum in a little plastic container so that way you can just pour it over. Then you can flambe it and you're not going to hurt anybody. You're going to tell whoever's standing right next to you, I'm about to catch this thing on fire. And that way they don't burn their hair and or whatever or your child or whatever. So that's well, dangerous, this dish. <laughs> Tony's trying to shake his head. And then you finish. Welcome to Cindy Wolf's house where everyone climbs on the <laughs> stove while she's cooking and dangles their hair over the open flame. Hey, I'm just trying to be safe. Oh my. And you can add a, <laughs> you can add. <laughs> they get the people off your stove. <laughs> you can add a little bit of shrimp stock to this dish as well. Finish with a little bit of cold butter. You can add green onion to this dish. You can add chive to the dish at the end or none of the above. This dish I would serve with rice. So you can either do it on its own and eat it and enjoy it because the sauce is absolutely delicious with the, the we use Gosling's black seal rum. Um, or I make yellow rice, which is um, I actually make with turmeric sometimes. And 
you can buy really, really... So not saffron turmeric. Not saffron, because I don't want that flavor. I mean, I always want that flavor, but not in this particular dish. I want just a little bit of turmeric in. And I can't believe the difference between the way dry, you know, the spiced turmeric tastes now, what's available to us, than what was available to us even 15 years ago when I would buy it. It is so beautiful now. So turmeric goes a little tiny, but it goes a very long way. And so uh, when I make rice, and you can make rice in like... Uh, eight to 10 minutes. So it's not that long of a, but you know, or you could have some leftover from the night before and then all you're doing is heating that up and serving this great shrimp dish over it. So to make the rice, just saute uh, a small dice of onion and butter, add the rice. You could either use water, salt, and the turmeric, or you could add add chicken stock and turmeric and just very literally a couple pinches. And when I, the last step before I put the lid on the pot for rice, I will add butter, a little extra sort of piece of butter and let it stir in um, because it really does make the rice much better. If, you, if you're if you not against butter, um, I think that makes a big difference. But yeah, the dish together is really fun. That sounds good. What else you got besides shrimp? Well, you know, a chicken breast, which is not expensive, so it's good to talk about. Or chicken thighs, which I know you, I love them too, and I know you love chicken thighs. So either one, but chicken thighs make great tacos. Mm-hmm. I'll um, tell you what. Well, you have to tell us about that. But uh, with chicken, let's just say it's a chicken breast. I made this the other night, and it, it was just absolutely simple. And sear your chicken breast and get good color on both sides. And pretty much any chicken breast you buy in the grocery store, you're gonna have to finish in the oven because they're just that big. And um, I would have my oven on three fifty. You don't want it on too hot because you don't want to dry out the chicken. You want to cook it relatively gently. And um, I, I encourage you to not overcook your chicken because that's not just not good. You know, I mean, of course you want to cook it all the way through. It'll be done. It'll also be, be dry. dry and gross. So when that chicken comes out, it's going to have a little carryover. Uh, so it's going to cook a little bit more after you bring it out of the oven because it's still hot, and especially if you leave it in the pan. And that's what I do. And then I add fresh lemon juice, a little bit of Tabasco, and a a little bit of some sort of fat. You know, it might be extra virgin olive oil. It might be a little piece of butter. Uh, I salt it and pepper it and just let it sit in there and I keep turning it over. And I know that's just the most ridiculously simple thing, but I can tell you that everybody will enjoy it unless you don't like spicy food. And you can always use your favorite hot sauce, but um, super simple and, and that can be served with anything, you know, rice or a taco or shredded and put into a taco or, um, you know, even add it to pasta or or grilled vegetables off the grill, you know, that you just ran outside and grilled really quickly. I mean, I think that's the other thing about, that is the other thing about doing quick food. The grill, part of the idea of doing quick food to me is that the cleanup is not crazy. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean, if you're going to only take five minutes to make something, but then it takes 20 minutes to do the dishes, what, what have you gained in time? And the grill is the greatest resource for making cleanups. So easy. And now, you know, everybody's used to grilling vegetables as well as their meats and fish and things. Um, you know, it's a great way to do a quick meal. We're talking about chicken thighs. The thing that brings to my brain, I think my favorite thing I've ever done with them uh, was for the opening of a restaurant was to do a, a sandwich because I love sandwiches. <laughs> A lot more than you. So I'm going to have to talk about a sandwich. So blackening uh, chicken thigh. If you take a boneless chicken thigh, pound it a little bit to make sure it's e- it's pretty even to start with. But make sure it's pretty even. Make sure the tendons are gone from there. Mm-hmm. And once in a while, they'll they'll mm-hmm. bone them out and they'll leave the, those white tendons in the yeah, that's chicken nice. thighs. Uh, when you when you mix, mix your spice all together, so that's don't forget salt. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And that's an I for blackening I follow your old recipe of mm-hmm. the three peppers, white pepper, red pepper, black pepper, dried basil, dried parsley. Dried thyme. Dried thyme. Yeah. And uh, and pretty even on all of those guys. I put a tiny bit of uh, smoked paprika in there as well. Oh, fun. But mix all up that seasoning first, and then a very dry chicken thigh in there. If you have a steel pan, or, or a very heavy pan, but especially a steel pan, you can get it good and hot, really very hot. And if there's skin on that chicken thigh, you can, without putting fat in the pan, you can sear it really nicely and render that fat from that chicken skin right into the pan and you're going to get an amazing crust on that chicken thigh. That's great. You get that one side really good and then you still have fat in the pan. Flip it over, get the other side. While you have that guy in the oven, you can organize all your sandwich goodies. Your uh, left uh, black and chicken thigh set up as a BLT is pretty darn (laughs) nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mix a little Dijon mustard with uh, with mayo for uh, oh, the, yeah. the topping for that guy. Good fun. That sounds good. Uh, big side of pickles. Good fun. Uh, watermelon, a little sprinkle of salt. Mm. Mm-hmm. Also yeah. really good fun. That there's, there's a whole lot of excellent stuff you can do with that. That is a very low fat, very low cost, very high happy exactly. dish like, to, mm. to have. I mean, it could just be a big pile of crunchy lettuce, you know, that you you put onto. I always funny. I always picture like a hamburger bun or something like that, something soft and fluffy and easy to deal with. <laughs> so you can grapple all the goodies that you put into that sandwich. It's funny you just talked about that because you basically told them how to blacken fish. Yeah, and, and that is exactly how you do. You you would use a cast iron pan to blacken a piece of fish, and the spice mixture you just talked about, um, you rub on both sides of the fish, and it goes right into that cast iron pan with not a bit of fat in it, and you just blacken both sides. And it is really one of the greatest things to do with an inexpensive piece of fish. What? Quite frankly, I mean, redfish was the classic, mm-hmm. like back from the eighties, but yeah. What what kind of fish is the best kind to do? What what would you not do it with? I wouldn't do it with salmon. I wouldn't do it with anything like tuna or anything that anything that you want to cook medium rare, rare medium rare, anything of super high quality. I just wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't do it to a piece of rockfish either. It's not the right kind of build for the fish. It needs to be like a small flaking fish. Um, you could certainly blacken grouper, and I have before. And grouper can be pretty expensive. Um, but grouper, red snapper, which is another really nice piece of fish. There's a lot but of little Chesapeake sn- Bay fish like porgy mm, and well, those are the perch. Per- perch is perfect. Perch and porgy are the perfect si- sort of fish for that. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, the spice is just going to blow out the flavor of the fish. And, frankly, if you have an inexpensive piece of fish, that's you might want to do that a that's, little bit. So it's kind of the well, point. Well, that's, that's, that's part of the point. It's, and, a, and a love for spice and, and, and the, the culture. The, the, the blackened fish is great to have with rice. one of my favorite things. Some, rice, yes. Mm. But more than that for me, I like it with succotash. Now that sounds good, of course. So, sure. And there are a million variations on succotash that you can do. Mm-hmm. It's also mm-hmm. a nice use of the butter that yeah. there you go. you're once in a while a fan <laughs> of. Roasted sweet corn and, and butter beans for succotash. Well, you're coming into the time of the year when you can get those beans fresh. Yeah, and I always put a, a very small dice of zucchini on my succotash, which is not nor, is not traditional in any way. But I love the flavor of fresh because, again, you, you're probably going to get it around the same time as the butter beans or, or uh, lima beans, baby limas, and the roasted sweet corn. 
Well, beans coming. You have cannellini beans coming now. I'm so excited about that. Uh, they always call them October beans. I cannot wait to get them. But they show up now, and they're cranberry beans. <laughs> so you can't and you might have some beans. on October, but you have to preserve <laughs> them if you wanted. I cannot wait to get back to the kitchen to work with those. I, I love those things. Well, they're, they're coming. I can't wait. They're coming. So that's, I mean, that both the, the blackened fish and the blackened chicken thigh, those are easy you can do it with the chicken breast, but honestly, you, you can't get the same result without that little fat from the skin in the pan. Okay, so this is quick, and I just made it last night, and it's but it's more fancy. So I pan-roasted halibut. We butter-poached in garlic and shallot three snails per order. And I made a crazy tomato sauce yesterday because we have a lot, because of the rain, our tomatoes, a lot of them are split. So you can't really, you know, you can't slice them and make them look beautiful. So I cooked... They're beautiful on the inside. They are. Well, they taste good. And so I, what I did was I sautéed onions and shallots and butter, and then I, right at the very end before I was getting ready to add any liquid, I added a good bit of finely chopped garlic, worked it, worked it until it was, you know, not raw anymore, but no, no color at all, which you don't want with garlic. And then I deglaze a pan with about four ounces of chicken or veal stock reduction, which is actually very important. So you're going to have to have that in your freezer or, you know, hopefully you, you froze some from last winter when you were making a lot of stocks and reduction sauces at your house, which I know you do all the time. And um, so deglaze a pan with that. Add um, several uh, teaspoons of really, really good tomato paste and add these these chopped tomatoes and their juice that you know have just don't look pretty but taste great that are fresh and local and then um, I, I did also perfume the dish with a one piece of rosemary from my garden so that actually went in the rosemary went in with the butter then it was the onion shallot finished with the garlic then deglaze with the chicken and veal stock reduction then add the tomato paste add the fresh tomato a little salt a little pepper and just cooked it down 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 I called it tomato fondue it sounds like a great escargot dish that you happen to put a piece of halibut on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But it's unbelievable. <laughs> but because, I bet it's great together. Oh, my gosh. We tasted it last night and before I served it. And I'm and, well, and then you walked in the back door with tomato skins. And I'm like, this yeah. is the perfect thing. You had this whole container of tomato skins. And I'm like, uh, okay. So we fried those. And first of all- well, I knew you were going to be lacking in the dish if I didn't show up with oh those. Oh, boy. So so the, the tomato skins like are so gorgeous because they're translucent when they're fried, and I love them, and they taste so good. And so it's a we, – we just basically did a little – like maybe even a tablespoon of that sauce underneath the fish because it's so intense. And by the way, I strained that sauce through a fine strainer. And so we heat it up, and then that's a little tablespoon of that underneath the piece of pan-roasted halibut. And then the three butter poached snails go on top of the halibut, and then the piece of crispy tomato on top of that. And then we, we have these droppers now that we drop sauce and dots all around the plate. So you also had a little bit more of the tomato sauce. Science class. Uh, and then some of the butter, garlic, shallot from the snails dripped over the top of the f- – oh, my God. It was so good. Are you excited about this? Dish? I am extremely. I've never. I mean, that's what cooking is all about. I mean, I've never made that before. I just started thinking about it. A guest asked for yeah. snails over the weekend, so I had a can of snails open. I don't serve snails this time of the year. I, I've always kind of kept snails for wintertime dishes, and I'm like, well, I have those snails. I need to utilize them. And I started thinking about the halibut that came in the back door, and and I've got all these tomatoes, and that is the beauty of cooking, is putting all those things together and making this dish that comes out, and it's just beautiful. Well, and it's going to happen for just this moment, and then that's the end of it. And then I'll never make it again. Yeah. That's That's crazy. That's cool. I love that. Well, when we come back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine, 
a little more quick food. Maybe not quite as fancy. <laughs> but boy, I'd like to eat that. And uh, a whole lot more on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine on WYPR. Welcome back to Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're talking quick about... Food. Yeah, quick food. There you so, go. Hey, Tony, so so slightly off topic. So my birthday's coming up, and I'm thinking, what should I drink for my birthday? People always... It's funny. You, you ask this, and people always ask. And my first response that I put away now, because I'm used to the question, is, well, do you know what you're going to eat? Of course you don't know what you're going to eat. It's coming up in a couple of days. You don't know what your mood is. You don't know what your weather is. Right. You, you don't know about the company. You don't know if you'll be judged because you're eating squab with your hands or something. You know, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, you don't always know. Mm-hmm. Drink something that you're excited about. Drink something that you have not had before that is not going to hurt your feelings if it's not your favorite thing that you ever had. And drink something that... that uh, has some, I mean, the day is important to you, right? Mm-hmm. So drink something that's important to you. So if it's, a, if it's a wine from a particular region that you love, if you love Barolo, find a really interesting one that you haven't had from a worthwhile year, drink that. And you can usually organize some elements of your menu around that kind of thing. Champagne is easy. Champagne, besides being celebratory, and you know, not, not to be cliche about it, it goes with an awful lot of dishes. It is very easy to, to organize a menu of some sort where you begin with champagne, and if you have to segue into something else, that it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. But there's a huge range in champagne, too. They're very light-bodied, blanc de blanc, and very charming things um, You know that, that, that are brighter and lacier. And there are things that are bigger-bodied and, and more uh, ebullient and plumper and, and, and sort of have that raspberry fruit character that comes from the red fruits and Pinot Noir and Pinot Meunier. Um, but uh, have a, a tête cuvée. Champagne, honestly, as other wine prices have escalated, champagne, especially a lot of the ones that you have not heard of, have not escalated that fast at all for the quality of what's in the bottle. That's good. And the amount of work that goes into putting it there. Right. So that's that. I would look at that. Mm-hmm. And also your year. If it's a big birthday... Can you take the time and find something from your birth year? Yeah, I think that's it's very special when you can drink something from your birth year. I've got nice little stacks of stuff for my daughters in the that's nice in the cellar from uh, their years. That'll be which good. are luckily excellent in a couple of different places. So that's good. That's cool. They'll end up with a little variety. I wonder if they'll drink wine. If not, Dad will have to help. Uh, so how about some more quick food? I, you know, I, I really think we, we started to talk about fish and seafood's so good for you or fish is so good for you. Um, let's just, again, take something that's very accessible, which is salmon. And the nice thing is, is that if you go to a good grocery, you're going to get a good piece of salmon these days. And yeah. um, so uh, the great thing about salmon is that it's high in fat. 
And that's one of the reasons why it's so delicious and beautiful on your palate and your mouth. It feels good. It's, well, and it's, you can eat it raw. Fat is good for you too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, so there's so many different things. I mean, you know, I am so into ceviche right now, and I love the idea. Or tuna crudo, or you know, we're doing rockfish ceviche. We do salmon tartare. So I think it would be super fun to make you know, a, a salmon crudo for dinner in the summertime. Um, it's light, it's easy, it's quick. So, But you need a sharp knife, you need a good cutting board, you need a very, very fresh piece of fish. So if you have all those things, you know, do clean, make sure there aren't any bones in that piece of fish, that the belly is cut off, that the skin is completely off, that the fish is nice and clean. I always rub my hand, uh, I'll make my hand just a tiny bit wet, and I'll rub my hand down the body of the fish to make sure there's not one scale on there. You do not want to eat a scale when you're eating raw fish. You don't ever want to, but definitely not when it's raw. It's extremely unappealing. It's a little bit like getting shells in your crab meat. And when you say salmon crudo, it immediately makes me think of a cucumber salad mm-hmm. as a garnish sure. for it. What would you do? On the fall. Cucumber. I mean, it, cucumber, uh, a little bit of extra virgin, uh, some lemon, some some kind of white vinegar, white wine vinegar, so whether champagne vinegar or something like that, uh, tiny bit of garlic, Decent amount of a very finely chopped shallot. Uh, let that actually kind of marinate in the bowl for a moment or two with uh, with salt, and uh, and then draw that out because you'll have lost some water there, but you'll have concentrated some flavor. Mm-hmm. And lots of chopped flat, flat leaf parsley as a garnish. So you have the crudo the the crudo on the plate, nice slices. You have the cucumber salad there next to it the sort of big nest of uh, dressed parsley on top of that, and uh, and then a little dollop of creme fraiche. Mm-hmm. It, you could do it with dill instead of the instead of the chives and the cucumber, but I mean, very simple, very light, very quick. Yeah, so I'm you have go- to have a knife sharp enough to you, cut the crudo. That's gotta, really that's why I said when you, I think about if, home kitchen. If you're going to do it, you better you've got to have these things, or you shouldn't be fooling with it. The, the I'm going to go in a different direction with it. So if I were to do it right now, and I still had some pretty slicing tomatoes, I would do very I call it carpaccio, tomato carpaccio, super thinly sliced. Lay it out all over the plate. Uh, you could either use fleur de sel or a little bit of kosher salt a little bit of freshly ground black pepper, um, a, your favorite extra virgin olive oil that's pretty, you know, maybe something from the southern part of France that has a little bit more perfume feeling to it that's not like rich, dense, dark olives, but something a little bit like an Arbequina oil that's a little prettier. And a little bit of that, you don't need a lot of that because, again, salmon has a high fat content, so it feels fatty on the palate, but just a little bit of oil to dress it. And I would do lime supremes, which is such a surprise when instead of doing straight lime juice, which will change the way the salmon looks when it when the acid hits it, if you do lime supremes, which is to do a supreme, you cut. Which is just the little fillet. In the, from the inside in, in of the, the lime. lime, right. Just like the interior of an orange. Mm-hmm. If you put like maybe two on each portion of those and you make sure your guests know or your family family knows that they're there so that they're not totally, you know, taking a bite of just lime, but they're, you know, knowing that there's going to be this treat in a minute when you, you're eating and you get, oh, that's really acidic. And um, and then just, and maybe some whatever fresh herb, I would definitely put a chiffonade of basil on there. And let, I'll say this, if you have a really sh- sharp pair of scissors, kitchen scissors, you can just very finely snip the basil uh, onto the salad at the last moment, onto the crudo at the last moment. And... Um, you don't need anything else. You could put arugula on there if you wanted to, or you could you could uh, chiffonade or you know use your scissors on some uh, arugula. That would be very very tasty. But 
what you really need is a little bit of acid in some form, and you're gonna get that from the tomatoes as well. So, you know, you could even skip the lime, but I like lime with salmon a lot. But yeah, I think that would be just a great summer dinner. Quick, quick, quick. Yeah, when I think when I think quick, I also think pasta. Because like by the time you get the water boiling, you can mm-hmm. have a lot of stuff prepped. I agree. You yeah. know, if you, if you have a heavy bottom pan, get one link of a sausage that you like. Chicken sausage, spicy mm-hmm. Italian, pork sausage, whatever it might be. Let that brown in the pan. Add, add a little bit of finely chopped onion and garlic. And, uh, and, and you saw me, you heard me talking about this the other day. With one of those uh, graters, the long ones, you can just take half tomatoes and get hold the skin and push the tomato across the <laughs> grater and get that crushed tomato. Yeah, that's great. Get that in the pan once it's all brown. Reduce that down. Uh, you could deglaze the sausage with a little bit of red wine too. Reduce that down. By the time you've even got that even close to sauce, your water is boiling and you can go in the water with your pasta in nice heavily salted water. Bring it out when it's al dente a little before it's done as much as you'd like. Get it in the pan with the sauce. Let it cook a little while with the sauce. Yeah, that's a big deal. You know, for like a minute, minute and a half. Let the, let the noodles actually absorb flavor. Definitely. And that and Parmigiano or, you know, mm. fresh nut basil. Like it, that, super quick, super easy. I can make easy. that in 12 minutes. Yeah, there's this. Easily. No yeah. question. Yeah, it's... it's and the, you, you're talking, there are two pans. Yeah, it's not bad. No, that's not bad at all. But well, I mean, honestly, you can... Oftentimes, I'll make my sauce in the pot that I did my macaroni in or my pasta in, whatever pasta I'm using, too, which is nice. You know, if you, if you, while you're draining, if it's something that is right there, ready to go, you can just heat it up in that same pot. Ooh, I've got a surprise for you. Chef's challenge. Okay, so Italian bread, <laughs> twenty-one twenty-five shrimp. Does that say bananas? Bananas. Yeah. I'm going to keep putting bananas in there until you figure out how to use them. <laughs> Garlic, tomato paste, chives, live lobsters, yes. Heirloom tomatoes, zucchini, nasturtiums, October cranberry beans, uh, extra virgin olive oil, no dairy. Potatoes, your choice. No dairy. No, da- I'm dairy intolerant. Sorry. You mean, Tony. Uh, Italian bread. That's made up, by bananas. the way. Bananas. What are we going to do with bananas? I don't know. That's just, uh, there's, okay. Shrimps. Well, that's funny. So saute the shrimp, finely chop the garlic. Uh, I'm going to do heirloom tomato carpaccio on the plate for the shrimp. I think that would be fun as well. So thinly sliced heirloom tomatoes on the plate. And I'm going to do the same thing with the zucchini. I'm going to slice them. They're going to be raw. I'm going to layer them in with the heirloom tomatoes. I'm going to hit it with the extra virgin olive oil, salt and pepper. I'm going to cook down the October beans in... um, uh, you've given me no spices uh, and water. I'll probably add a little bit of tomato paste to the water just because I don't have any other spices or anything to season it with. And I am put a little bit of the uh, sautéed garlic in with the beans while they cook, so they'll take on that flavor. And um, I'll, when the beans are done, I will put a little bit of the warm beans on top of the heirloom tomato and the uh, very paper-thin slices of zucchini. I'll sauté the shrimp um, in the... Uh, I'm gonna have to use olive oil because you, I don't have anything else. So saute the shrimp in a very tiny bit of olive oil, lay them on the salad. I will slice the Italian bread. Um, actually, I'm gonna dice the Italian bread, toss that around in a little bit of olive oil, brown it in the pan, and I'll garnish with just a few little tiny pieces of Italian bread uh, uh, with the uh, tomato. So, I'm so sorry, little, with the beans. Yeah. yeah, and then these nasturtiums. That's easy. They're a little bit spicy, so that would be a beautiful garnish for that dish and, and an edible garnish. And um, so 
and I'll That's put a, a little chive on there. Salad. Yeah, I'll put a little chive on there. Um, so the only thing I have left are lobsters. Actually, I'll just boil the lobsters and add them to that dish. So it'll be a lobster and shrimp dish, and um, and then potatoes and bananas. I'm left with interesting. Uh. You know, so. I, I, I will admit, okay, the, what what I was hunting for, <laughs> there there was a dish that was famous at, at a restaurant a long time ago in the city, that was shrimp and banana. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, and they were the the shrimp were cooked, the bananas were caramelized, huh. and they were and they were caramelized and and cooked with a little bit of shrimp stock and uh, lots of garlic. Huh. Okay. And served together. And well, I can do that. Oh, my gosh. They were good. I bet. Well, I never in this yeah. world would have thought of that, but you could do that. But you'd have to saute it in olive oil. It would be yeah. a little strange. It's a, it's, a, it's a dish from southern Spain. Because you didn't give me. Okay. And yeah. the potatoes, you I guess. You would saute it in olive oil. Okay. So with the potatoes, so, so that I'm actually using them, I'm going to um, do a tiny Parisian scoop, which is like a little melon baller, and just do a few little pieces of potato on that salad as well. It certainly won't hurt anything. I'm sure it'll taste good as long as they're well salted. Making an everything salad. the bananas I'm going to eat while I'm making my uh, Keep yourself alive during your complicated salad. Challenge. All right. Yellow watermelon. Because we got some in yesterday, and it was so exciting. Uh, So delicious. Local. Swordfish. I like swordfish. Mm-hmm. Napa cabbage, basil, apricots, garlic, lime, white peach, Swiss chard, baguette, extra virgin olive oil, and tomato, chicken breast, watercress, raspberries? <laughs> Rasp? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I want the heirlo- heirlooms and peaches, you know, very well I like together. Heirlooms and white peaches, I'm going to dress those guys with a little bit of extra virgin, make sure they have good salt, lots of fresh basil. That's just. As simple as can be. That's one of the pleasures of this time of the year. I'm going to make a little toast with that baguette. Uh, I have oil and no butter, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to use oil. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm going to make a little bruschetta. So I'm going to I'm going to oil them and then grill them so they're nice and crunchy. And I'm going to take the apricots and a little lime juice and the raspberries. And, and uh, boy, oh, boy, what I wouldn't give for a piece of salami for this bruschetta. But I'm not getting it. I'm not getting. I'm getting a shaking head. Okay. <laughs> oh well. But uh, that that on the bruschetta with a little bit of garlic. I know it sounds weird. It's really good. I'm sure it's great. Apricots are not that sweet. And then I've got swordfish, napa cabbage, yellow uh, the watermelon. I'm just gonna eat it. Yellow watermelon. It's too good. I mean, I could use it in the salad, but I'm just gonna eat it. Uh, so what I have is a napa cabbage. I'd want to make slaw with that if I had. Uh, you know, a little, a little bit to to make the mixture for slaw, a little salt, a little sugar. I, I'd want to make slaw with the cabbage. Uh, grill that swordfish. For the slaw being there, what I, really, what I really want is some kind of a slightly sweet sauce, a slightly sweet vinaigrette to garnish it with. Maybe I'd reserve a little bit of the uh, the peach to do that. And that swordfish. You've also given me no spices. Mm-hmm. This is difficult. I you would, could put watermelon on the swordfish, too. You that, could. That would be good. I, you, you're not selling me on that. Maybe a little hot pepper in you're there. You're not selling me. Yeah, I, I like the cabbage in the swordfish business. I like the idea of doing uh, almost like a peach barbecue sauce for it. Yeah, that would be fun. I think that'd be pretty fun. I don't know. I want French fries with that. <laughs> Is that too weird? No, but I really am starting to think swordfish and peaches would be very fun together, and I may have to make yeah, that. You may have to make that. Yeah, because I make a Napa cabbage slaw, and I think it would be fun if there was jalapeno in there. I almost cannot... I, I struggle thinking of wine for that dish. 
Uh, which is which I is I get that because like, I guess I need a high quality beer, <laughs> maybe one of the fine local brews. There you go, sounds good. That'd be worthwhile. That would be fun. So I guess we'll send people off with French fries. <laughs> not, not a bad way to go. Well, thanks for listening. If you want to download this or any one of our other podcasts, go to the WYPR website, wypr.org. Look for the Foreman Wolf page, and there is a myriad of choices on quick food and other topics. If you want to follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media, you can follow me on Instagram as Chef Wolf and on Twitter as Chef Cindy Wolf. I'm the real Tony Foreman on Instagram. If you want to email us questions, comments, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Send it to foremanwolf at wypr.org. And thanks for listening. Happy Sunday. Thank you.